Hey everyone, and thanks for tuning in today. Today I'm going to show you how to create a domain with Windows Server 2019 and Microsoft Active Directory. Active Directory is a central location for information with network resources. This can be user accounts, computer accounts, file shares, print sh uh, shared printers, and more. Um, the reason why you might want to do this is because it helps you centrally manage your business environment. Um, it doesn't matter if you have a thousand computers or ten. Both environment, both size environments can benefit from setting up something like Microsoft Active Directory. Now, whether you're an IT professional that's just getting started, or you're a small business owner that necessarily you might not have the money to uh, to employ and bring on board an IT professional, uh, this video should help you get started. Um, we're going to be just uh, essentially spinning up a new virtual machine. Uh, you can do this inside of a virtual environment if you'd like, or you can do it on a physical server. Um, we're going to be installing Microsoft Windows Server 2019. We're going to be promoting it to a domain controller, and we're going to be doing some basic configuration. So uh, hang tight, and uh, before we get started, a quick word. Thanks for tuning in today. This video is part of a multi-part series where I go into some technical tasks with Microsoft Windows Server 2019. I want to show and demonstrate how to create a new domain with Microsoft Active Directory, how to join a computer to that domain, deploy Microsoft Exchange, and deploy Microsoft Remote Desktop Services. And please remember that these videos are designed to supplement blog posts at the Tech Journal, my personal technology blog. It can be found at stephenwagner.com. If you haven't already been, make sure you check it out. I've got a whole bunch of cool content on there. And remember, if you like this video, please hit the like button and subscribe. So let's get started. What I'm going to do is I'm going to do a little screen share here with you. We're going to pull up the uh, VMware remote console and uh, kick off the virtual machine. But first, uh, as always with any type of environment that you're about to configure, you should always document it and have a game plan before uh, and uh, maintain that document while you're uh, rolling out any new type of uh, servers or services or anything else on your network. So let's uh, go ahead and take a look at that. So here on my screen, you'll notice that I just did a little text document where I specified the uh, the network, uh, the IP range. We're doing it on uh, 192.168.1. It's a 24 subnet, so we've got about 240 or sorry, 254 IPs that we can play with. Um, on this network, um, this is the new server that we're going to be deploying. Uh, it's a Windows Server 2019 box. Um, we plan for it to provide Active Directory domain services for a single domain inside of a single forest. Um, this will provide domain, DHCP, and DNS services to the network. Now, that's important to uh, mention, and I'll get into that a little bit more in a couple seconds here. And then uh, additionally, further on, later on, we're going to be adding member servers, which will provide services. Um, member servers are other Windows server or other types of servers that uh, you join to your domain that uh, connect to the domain controller and provide uh, the network with resources and or service services. Um, we've chosen our IP address that we'll be assigning to the uh, the Windows Server 2019 box and we'll give it the name of uh, TN for testnet SRV01 and we've chosen that the domain is going to be testnet.com. Now once upon a time, many, many years ago, Microsoft actually re recommended to, uh, when deploying Microsoft domains, to use the, uh, the ending of .local. Um, so back 10 years ago, we might actually choose to, uh, to roll out testnet.local. Now things have changed, and uh, now it's recommended to do the, uh, the .com. Technically, it should match your uh, internet domain, just because uh, with the internet domain, um, 
If you're deploying services like Microsoft Exchange, uh, Microsoft Office 365, um, something called a UPN actually has to match the email address for the specific user so that you can get proper logins. Now, I'm not going to get into that too much in this video, um, except to say that you should be using the domain.com uh, type of uh, naming scheme. And uh, as far as uh, internet access goes, we've just got a PFSense router set up. Uh, in your environment, you might have a, a business grade firewall like a, a Sophos UTM, XG, SG. Um, there's also a whole bunch of other ones. Or you might just have something simple like a Linksys router or even your own ISP router. Um, no matter what the case is, your router should be providing internet access to the network. Um, you should be able to configure port forwarding. Um, to set up a domain controller, this isn't really needed or necessary. Um, but later on when we start deploying services like Microsoft Exchange and uh, Microsoft Remote Desktop Services, port forwarding is required um, because you're going to have to uh, set up port forwarding for those ports to get those internal services available to the uh, the external network being your WAN or uh, internet. Um, now keep in mind that uh, out of the box, most routers will be configured with uh, DHCP, uh, Dynamic Host Control Protocol. Um, now what we're gonna be doing is we are going to assign the role of a DHCP server um, to your Active Directory server. Um, this is just so that when computers get connected, they can request an IP address. You can have DHCP connected to your DNS server. DNS stands for Domain Naming Service. Um, and essentially, when a computer grabs an IP, it can create the DNS entry for the system, and it can all be automated nice and fancy. Um, if you want to start allocating and hosting these resources on different servers or different uh, routers, it can get a little bit complicated because there is some integration required. Um, but this is a simple network environment, and we're going to keep it simple. And uh, the IP address on that router is 192.168.1.1. Uh, additionally, going back uh, to the domain DHCP and DNS services, um, once we uh, promote this uh, to a domain controller, uh, we will be configuring the DHCP server and the DNS server. And so that integration will exist between the uh, two environments. And uh, right here, as you can see, I've got a, a window. I'm just using a VMware remote console. As I mentioned at the beginning of the video, you can either install Windows Server 2019 on a physical server, or you can install it on a virtual machine. Um, a lot of businesses are just purchasing one bit, one server now, and they just virtualize all their other servers. It helps you consolidate less hardware, um, and you get some fancy features. So again, it, it doesn't really matter. Just for the sake of making this video easy, we're gonna be virtualizing this. So with this machine, I'll just uh, pull up the settings here so we can take a look. We've got a basic Xeon processor. I've just assigned it four cores. Um, I think technically you could get away with even less than that. Um, and I've given it uh, eight gigs of RAM, 120 gig thin provisioned uh, disk. And for the CD-ROM, we have the Windows Server 2019 standard mounted to it. And so we'll just go ahead and fire this virtual machine up. And as you can see, as soon as it uh, boots and uh, completes with the BIOS, uh, it's just going to directly boot to the uh, Windows Server 2019 installer. And so we just choose our language in our keyboard layout. And you can either install or repair. We're doing a fresh install, so we'll just choose install now.
Now here's a big gotcha. So essentially with the CD that we're using, uh, two main versions of Windows Server 2019 is available, uh, standard and data center. Um, in our case, we're going to be using standard. In most cases, you will be using standard. Typically, you only find the data center licensing in larger environments where businesses have a hundred, possibly hundreds or thousands of services. Um, but that, with that being said, keep in mind that in earlier versions, uh, actually, sorry, go, just taking one step back. Um, as far as the two versions are concerned, there's two subversions, which is the uh, the default here, uh, which has no text after it, and then the secondary option, which includes the desktop experience. Um, previously, with older versions, 2016 and earlier, um, the Windows installer would actually default to a graphical interface install, and you actually had to explicitly select a server core install if you didn't want to install the graphical user interface for Windows Server. Um, now times have changed, and I think uh, Microsoft's trying to push admins to minimalizing their installs, both because it reduces the security footprint um, and at the same time, too, it's a smaller install. Uh, it can be easier or more difficult to manage, arguably. Um, but the big gotcha with Windows Server 2019 is that it actually defaults to the server core install, which has no graphical user interface. So you want to make sure that you choose the, uh, the desktop experience. Uh, and that's what will make it really easy for us to configure services, uh, add the server as a domain controller, and uh, do some other basic administration. Um, I highly recommend that if you're just getting started as an IT professional, that you use the graphical user interface. Now, your terms of service will look slightly different. Um, I'm using uh, a uh, ISO off of the uh, Microsoft Developer Network, which is made available to me as a Microsoft partner for uh, demonstration, development, and testing purposes. Um, so your uh, license terms will be different. And we're not upgrading, so we're just going to choose Custom. And you'll see here we have the one disk. That's 120 gigs. We'll just leave that highlighted and hit Next. And so at this point, it's going to start copying files off the CD. It's going to install the operating system. And uh, this will take some time. So at this point, feel free to go grab a coffee, take a break. Um, if you have a fast computer, it might actually rip through this fairly quickly. Um, even some decent computers can take uh, it, half an hour. So uh, it's hard to say exactly how long it'll take. But at this point, I'm going to uh, speed up the video just to uh, so you don't have to sit around and wait for it to complete. All right, and so it finished. Um, after the computer restarts a few times, the uh, setup is complete. We're just going to create the default administrative password. This is the king or god password, if you say. Um, this is the highest level administrative password that your entire network can have. It is extremely important that this password never gets forgotten. It's extremely important that none of your staff ever get access to it. Um, it's also extremely important that no one uses this account um, unless if they need to perform some type of IT administration on the network. Um, major attacks that 
have happened to businesses are because people are using accounts that have administrative access and they shouldn't, or they're performing tasks with an administrative account when they shouldn't be. Um, so again, I just have to stress that this is the, uh, the king password that you don't want to use unless if you're uh, doing things like what we're doing here today. And we'll just go ahead and log into the new Windows server. And what I'm going to do here is I'm just going to go ahead and eject the Windows Server 2019 CD. Now on the first startup, you're gonna get some information about the networks. If you see this prompt, you can just go ahead and hit yes because it is on your secure network. And as with all Windows Server installs, the uh, Windows um, Server Manager will automatically start popping up on login. Now this can slow logins and it's kind of annoying to have this pop up all the time. So usually what I do is um, I'll dismiss this message and we'll actually go to uh, to manage server manage properties and we'll choose do not start server manager automatically at login and so this will speed up logins a little bit and then we won't have to close this every time now the next step i'm going to perform is installing vmware tools if you're installing this on a physical server you don't need to do this step um, what this does if you're not aware is it just installs the drivers that are required for a virtual machine to run inside of vmware network adapters graphic adapters um, and some other funky little things And what it does is it just mounts it as a uh, DVD. And we can just proceed with the typical network setting, or sorry, uh, and proceed with the typical settings. And at this point, it'll ask us to restart the computer, and we'll choose yes because we were installing uh, system drivers. Now next what we're going to do is we're just going to configure the uh, computer name. We're going to disable safe search on Internet Explorer just to make browsing a little bit easier. And uh, 
then we can proceed to installing Microsoft Windows updates. So I'm just right clicking on the network icon down here and I'm choosing open network and internet settings. And you're going to want to choose network and sharing center. From here, you're going to choose change adapter settings. And here's the network adapter of the virtual machine. You're going to right click on that, go to properties. It's going to open up the properties for the adapter. We're going to choose internet protocol version four, go to properties. And we're going to configure the IP address that we specified inside of the initial documentation which is 192.168.1.10 with the subnet mask of 255.255.255.0 and the gateway, which is our router, which is 1.1. And just for the sake of configuration for now, what we're going to do is even though the domain controller is going to be the DNS server, um, just for initial setup and configuration, we'll actually set the preferred DNS server as the router, just so that we have internet access to start with. Um, technically, internet access isn't needed, but the next step is going to be to install Windows updates. And to do Windows updates, you need to have internet access. And so we've configured that. And now we're just going to go to start, type in server manager. And to test the internet access, I just want to disable the uh, safe search from the Internet Explorer. Once you're inside of the server manager, you'll just click on local server. A fun fact is that you can actually use the server manager to manage and uh, configure multiple different servers. Um, you can just add them one at a time. Um, for this example, we're just editing the local server. So this is pretty much all we need to play with right now. You'll also notice too that the roles of the servers that you configure with server manager will show up and populate in this. So you could actually use this to centrally manage your entire network if you decided to configure it fully. Um, inside of the local server tab, now we're going to choose uh, the IE, Internet Explorer Enhanced Security Configuration. And we're just going to set both to off. And at this time, you can also configure your time zone. I'm in mountain time. And actually, while we're here, we can actually even set the computer name by clicking on the existing computer name. Brings up system properties. We'll go ahead and hit the change button. And right here, we have the computer name. We'll set this to TN-SRV01. You'll notice that it's currently uh, attached to the work group called work group. Um, this will change. And actually, even moving forward, when you uh, go to add your first computers, to add a computer, you actually specify the domain inside of here. But that'll be covered in a different video. Now, you'll want to make sure that you change the computer name before promoting this system to a domain controller. You always want to have the network configuration, computer name, um, and other basic settings always configured before configuring any type of services, especially even a domain controller. Now, when you change the computer name, this will require a restart. Um, since we just want to test the internet first, I'm just going to hit restart later. We'll close out a server manager and we'll just fire up Internet Explorer just to make sure the internet access is working. 
ask me later, and we'll go to google.com. And as you can see, it loads. So at this point, to make sure that everything takes effect, we'll just restart the system. Now on this restart, we're officially at the point where you would want to start doing Windows updates. Windows updates are important because not only will it update the system to make sure that you have all the uh, latest and greatest code, but it'll also patch a whole bunch of security vulnerabilities. Um, technically, Windows update is always the first thing you should do once you get your computer connected with internet access. Um, for the purposes, purposes of this video, we're actually going to skip it just because I don't want to walk you th uh, through the entire process. It does take a lot of time. Sometimes you also have to do multiple waves of updates. Um, so it can turn into a multi-hour process, especially with older operating systems. Uh, but to do this, what you would do is you just click start and then the little gear here, you'd get into this screen and choose updates and security. From that point on, you'd be able to um, configure and start performing the Windows updates. Um, after all Windows updates, you always want to make sure that you restart the system as well. So at this point, we're going to pretend that the updates have been completed. And so now we can actually move on to uh, installing, configuring Microsoft Active Directory services. And so to do that, we're just going to click on start and we're going to go to the server manager. Some of you will notice that instead of actually going through the menus, I just use the search. I find it way faster than actually uh, going through some of the menus sometimes. It's all personal preference. Now from Server Manager, you can install roles and features and other components to your Windows servers. It's, it's a really nice interface. Um, traditionally, back in the day, people would just fire up a command prompt and type in DC promo. Um, for the sake of keeping everything up to date and uh, well documented, um, I'm just going to go into uh, local server and we'll click on manage, add roles and features. And from here, this is where you can install various roles, features and components for Windows Server. And we'll just go through some of the problems. A lot of this you don't have to affect uh, or to change. Um, just going through the, the first initial prompts until you get to the uh, server role uh, section of the wizard, um, it will just install it locally on the system. You have the option to actually use this wizard to install roles on other systems, but that's beyond the scope of this video. And so finally at the server roles section, this is where we specify that we want to install Active Directory domain services. And you'll notice that after I tick that box, this window popped up telling that there's prerequisites to it. And so what this will do is this will actually install the uh, the features and other roles that are required for Active Directory. So we'll just go ahead and uh, leave this as default and click on Add Features. Additionally, we're going to choose DHCP Server. And again, we're going to add the uh, required features. And we're also going to choose DNS Server and add features. Now I believe that if you don't specifically choose the DNS server, um, just by installing Active Directory Domain Services itself, it actually will force a DNS server install. Um, but since I know that we're gonna be using it anyways, I always just make sure that I have it checked. Um, but uh, just a quick glance here, these are all the other roles that you can install on Windows Server 2019. And of course, these are the features. We don't need to change or touch any of these from the defaults at this time. 
And so here we just get some basic information on Active Directory domain services. They recommend installing two domain controllers. Um, that's beyond uh, the scope of these videos. Um, however, in most environments, it's always good to have multiple domain controllers. Historically, they would call them primary and backup domain controllers. Um, now things are slightly different because technically any domain controller can accept and respond to domain directory requests. Um, there always is one FSMO role on each network. However, if your FSMO uh, server ever went down, you could always seize that role, so it's not too big of a deal. Again, this is very technical and I'm not gonna get into all that in this video. Um, but at the same time too, and then just another warning about how directory services requires a DNS server to be installed. If you don't have it, you will be prompted to install it. We don't have to worry about that because we check the box. Here's some basic information on the DHCP server. And for those of you that don't know, um, Dynamic Host Control Protocol, DHCP, is the technology that allows you to connect a computer or a device to a network and have it automatically get its IP information from that network. This includes an IP address from a, a pool of IPs that are available, as well as uh, the information on the IP address to your router gateway, as well as DNS servers on that network. Um, and additionally to know uh, is that the domain information is actually stored inside of DNS. So whenever a computer on the network looks for any type of information from uh, Microsoft Active Directory, it'll use the DNS information to find out how to access those servers and those resources. And then just uh, as we click on next, we uh, proceed to the uh, DNS domain name system information. And if you do ever configure multiple domain, uh, multiple domain controllers, um, Active Directory and DNS will sync the DNS data through all DNS servers on the network. And this is why if you have two domain controllers, you'll have a preferred DNS server and a secondary domain server. Um, in some environments that I've configured, we've actually had four or five, six domain controllers and uh, five or six DNS servers. So it's, it's really handy as far as redundancy is concerned. And as we hit next to the uh, final confirmation, uh, we have an option to restart the destination server. Um, we are not going to choose that. Uh, what happens is that after we install all of these roles, we will be prompted to configure some of them. Um, some administrators like to do that. I don't want to because I'd like to get the domain configured as soon as possible. And so we'll just leave this with the default with it unchecked and we'll go ahead and hit install. And at this point, it'll start installing the rules. This could take some time, so we'll go ahead and fast forward the uh, through the uh, progress to get it to the uh, the completion. And we're back. The uh, installation is uh, completed. Configuration is required, and so we'll just go ahead and proceed with uh, what's required here. Now, as far as Active Directory domain services are concerned, um, you'll see that it states that there's some additional steps. This is for the actual configuration itself of Active Directory. Um, there's also some options for DHCP server, and that's about it at this point. Now, with DHCP, there's not too much to configure off the get-go, so I'm going to do this one first. And all this does is just make some changes and create security groups 
um, for delegation of the uh, DHCP server administration role. And so we just hit commit, it completes and we close it and we're done with the DHCP. So now we can actually progress on to the, uh, the section where we promote this server to a domain controller. Now, when this wizard opens up, this is the traditional DC promo. Um, when this wizard opens up, we have a few different options. Now, if you're in an environment where you have an existing domain and you want to add another domain controller, this is actually the default setting, which is what we do not want. Or you can add a new domain to an existing force, which is also what we do not want. What we're doing is since we're starting this from scratch, we're going to add an entirely new forest. Now in this video, I'm not going to get into too much as to what a forest is, but inside of a Active Directory forest, you can have multiple domains. Um, you can have subdomains. You can have multiple domain controllers for each of those domains. Um, you can actually configure and set up extremely complex environments. Um, and that's why, like I said, some businesses with thousands of computer systems um, use and actually need Active Directory to, uh, to run for as far as management goes and functionality. Since we're just uh, setting up our first domain controller, we're going to choose Add a New Forest. And this is the root domain name. And so this is going to be the testnet.com. And like I mentioned earlier in this video, you want to make sure that this domain matches your internet domain. And this is just because as far as configuring Microsoft Exchange or Office 365, it's just easier. And so we'll go ahead and hit next. As new versions of Windows Server are released and as new versions of Microsoft Active Directory are released, um, there's versions of the database itself that contains and stores as well as the functionality level of Active Directory. Um, since this is a brand spanking new domain, we're just going to choose the latest, which is Windows Server 2016. However, if you were going to be adding older member servers, such as uh, a couple Windows Server 2008 boxes or domain controllers, specifically domain controllers um, running older versions, you might want to set this to lower. Um, I always recommend that uh, if you don't have these servers, just leave the settings at as default, which will choose the latest version. And because this is the uh, first domain controller we're going to be configuring, it's going to set up DNS and it's going to install a global catalog. Um, you also have the option when adding domain controllers to an existing dom domain to set up uh, a read-only domain controller. If you actually go to the tech journal, my blog, you can search for RODC or read-only domain controller and it has a full explanation as to what an RODC is, what its purpose is, and when to use it. Um, but as far as this video goes, that's where we'll, uh, we'll leave that. And of course, the next step is to configure a DSRM password. This is a directory services restore mode password. Um, technically, you're not supposed to set this to the same password as the administrative account. Um, this is supposed to be a separate password, another god or king password that's used in the event that you have some sort of uh, corruption or you need to do some type of database level administration or access to the directory services database. Um, if you get into a situation where you have to do a disaster recovery, you will need the DSRM password to initiate an authoritative or a non-authoritative domain restore or recovery. Um, for the purpose of this video, I'm just going to set this to the same password as the admin account. You might, you may not. Um, that's up to you.
technically you'll never use that password unless if uh, you're in some type of situation where a, uh, a disaster recovery is, is required. And actually, if you're able to log into the system under normal, healthy circumstances, you can actually reset that password as well. Um, after we hit next, it's just going to go into DNS configuration. Since we don't have anything configured, uh, we don't need to touch this and we'll just hit next. And on this screen, the NetBIOS name, this is uh, NetBIOS is an older protocol um, before the, uh, the dot coms. Um, now, technically, in most cases, you won't need to touch this. You'll notice that it just brought over testnet. The only time you may actually want to modify or change this um, is in the event that your domain name is longer. Like, for example, my company name is digitally accurate. Um, the internet domain is digitallyaccurate.com. However, there is a character limit to the NetBIOS domain name. And so in my case, we actually exceeded that. And so we had to come up with a condensed version. However, in this case, testnet fully falls within the uh, character limit, so we'll, we'll just go ahead and hit next. And finally, we're at the, uh, the locations where we store the database files, the log files, and the sysfall files. Now, traditionally, Microsoft recommended to house these files on a separate drive or a separate partition. Um, a lot of administrators just leave it to the default. I'm not going to get into that. Um, for a small environment, you may or may not want to touch that. I'm going to leave this up to you to do your own research. <laughs> However, just know that if you were to hit next and continue on, everything should run fine. And I would actually beg to... Uh, I would argue and possibly even bet money that uh, probably over 80% of uh, IT professionals leave these as the defaults and just hit next. And finally, we just reviewed all the options. And this just kind of goes over everything we just configured. Now, one thing that's really interesting is that you'll notice down here that there's a script. And so if you hit view script, this is actually the PowerShell script that it generates for you, that it's actually going to generate in uh, execute inside of PowerShell to promote the domain controller. Now, if you want to really get technical, you can learn PowerShell and you can actually do the entire domain deployment using PowerShell. But for the purpose of this video, I'm just going to continue to use the GUI as I'm assuming most people, and especially if you're watching this video to learn how to do this, you'll want to use the GUI. And so here we go through a prerequisites check. Um, you'll notice that while there are some warnings, uh, for the most part, we did pass all the prerequisite checks. Um, you'll notice here that th this is a disclaimer that appears on all fresh installs. Um, you don't need to worry about it too much right now, but this is definitely something that might be worth reading, especially when you become more uh, in touch or more of an expert with Active Directory. Um, the DNS warning is fine and normal. We can just go ahead and hit uh, continue and install. And this can take some time. So again, I'm just going to fast forward through this part of the video uh, to the wizard completion. And we're back. You'll notice that uh, after the Active Directory wizard completed, it automatically restarted the server.
We'll just go ahead and log in, but the first thing that you'll notice is that we are now logging on to the domain testnet as administrator. And because this is the primary domain controller, what it actually did is migrated the local administrator account to the domain. Now, one of the first things that I want to point out is that by promoting the server to a domain controller, there are minor changes that are made to the network adapter configuration. So if you right click on the network icon, go to open network and internet settings, scroll down to the network and sharing center, and then change adapter settings. When you right click on the adapter, and then go to the TCP IP version 4 settings. You'll notice that the static IP that we originally configured is still there. However, by running the process of the uh, domain controller promotion, um, it has actually changed the DNS server to the, uh, the local machine. Now, there's a whole bunch of uh, different guides on the internet um, as far as configuring alternate DNS servers. There's also a whole bunch of uh, best practice or leading practice methods of configuring this. They've changed over the year, but what I typically do is in a single domain controller environment, we have the internal loopback adapter, which is the 127.0.0.1. Um, that's, an, that's an IP address that the machine can reach itself at, um, but I also like to go in there and configure its LAN IP as the uh, alternate DNS server. Now, after we do that, we officially have a domain controller. We have a domain configured. And now the next step to do is uh, configure the DHCP server so that the server can start issuing IPs to systems, computers, um, network devices, and phones on the network. Uh, so to do this, um, I know that typically I hit start and then search for the icon by just typing in something like DHCP which you'll see we can go that way. But all of these uh, administrative tools that I access, if you actually want to find them, you can just click on start and expand the Windows administrative tools. And inside of here, this is where you can find the Active Directory components, DHCP, DNS, and more. Now, one thing that I neglected in configuring or documenting before we got started is the DHCP scope. The scope is the area or the air or the size of the IP address space that you want to lease out from the DHCP server. And so what we'll do is just inside of the documentation, we'll actually specify the scope that we want. And so essentially we want the DHCP server to give out IPs from 192.168.1.100 all the way up to 192.168.1.199. This will essentially give, it'll be an address space that can give out 99 IP addresses to devices on your network. And you'll notice that I start from 100 and only take it to 199. That way we can kind of, uh, reserve wouldn't be the proper word, but we could reserve the other address spaces all the way up to 100 and at 200 and above um, for static IPs. Like for example, some network admins like to put printers in the 200 range. Um, 
And as far as your servers go, you would just continue on the IP uh, scheme. Uh, like for example, the domain controllers.pen, your member server would be SRV2 would be .11, so on and so on. And so then we'll just head back to the VM here. Now, when you're inside of the DHCP window, you just want to expand everything and open up IPv4. We're, if, with this guide, we're not going to be touching IPv6. Um, once you're inside of IPv4, you can select it, right-click it, and choose New Scope. And this is the wizard that pops up where you can actually configure the scope. So we'll give this one a fancy name of testnet default DHCP scope. And this is where you specify the start IP address and the end IP address. And we'll just type in the same values that we uh, specified inside of the network documentation. Now, it needs to be on the same subnet. Well, it, technically it does or doesn't, but in, in a small environment like ours, it needs to be on the same subnet. And so we're putting it on 24, which is 255, 255, 2550. Here, you can actually additionally specify exclusions within the DHCP scope. So let's say that uh, you wanted to set an exclusion for 192.168.1.1. 150 to 160, you could do that here, but again, we don't need to, so we'll just uh, click next. Here's the lease duration. This is how long the uh, uh, DHCP leases will last for. Um, when the lease expires, it'll just grab a new IP. In most cases, it'll actually grab the same IP address. Again, it doesn't need to be changed. Now, this is an important part, and again, we want to keep the default, but yes, we do want to configure options. So the dynamic host control protocol allows you to specify a whole bunch of configuration options um, to a scope. So you can specify what information gets provided to the DHCP clients, being your computer or phones. Um, this type of information includes DNS servers, routers, gateways, or even in more complex environments, uh, you know, pixie booting servers, um, NFS exports, a whole bunch of uh, information. So um, we're going to leave the default as yes, we want to configure these now and we'll hit next. And you'll notice that first we want to specify the uh, the router, which is the default gateway, which is your uh, internet router. And so we'll just type in 192.168.1.1. And here are the DNS servers. And so we've got 192.168.1.10. We've got duplicate entries there, so I'm just going to go ahead and remove one of them. And you'll notice that it automatically sets the parent domain to testnet. Win servers, we can just leave as default. And we'll go ahead and activate the scope now. And finish. After creating it, you'll notice that it appears now. And inside of this tab, you can view the pool. You can configure new pools, new exclusion ranges. Or you can go to address leases, and you can actually view devices that have obtained an IP from your DHCP server. So this is the window where you would actually find the, uh, the IPs that have been given to computers, mobile phones, uh, and other network devices. And then inside of reservations, you can actually set up a DHCP reservation, which is fairly similar to a static IP. Um, but it's an IP that is provided by a DHCP server, um, which never changes. So if you actually go to my blog and uh, do a search for DHCP reservation, I have a fantastic post, which is very popular, that goes into the differences explaining um, static IPs versus uh, DHCP reservations. Um, but as far as that goes, uh, that's pretty much configured. 
So at this point, you now have a server that is providing services to your network, Active Directory, DHCP, and DNS, and uh, you're pretty much uh, good to go as far as uh, configuring uh, computers, joining the computers to the domain, configuring new member services, uh, sorry, member servers and their services and uh, other components to your network. Um, just before we wrap this up, though, I do want to show you one thing. Um, to actually get inside of Active Directory and configure a user account, um, you'll want to click on Start, go to Administrative Tools, and you'll choose Active Directory Users and Computers. From this interface, you'll see your domain. You can expand it. And you'll actually see some of the content from Active Directory. From here, you'll be able to see computers that are joined to your domain. We have none at the moment, so this is empty. You'll also be able to see domain controllers. And here's our first one. And there's also users. This is the, uh, the container that will actually store the Active Directory users. Um, you'll see that we have the administrative account here. Technically, you should never change the administrator account settings. Um, inside of here, if you do, you might lock yourself out and never be able to gain administrative access to your uh, account ever again. But what we want to do here, just before we end this video, is create a basic user account. This is a user account that cannot log into the domain controller. It does not have any special type of administrative privileges. Um, it's just a basic user account that can log into computers that have been joined to the domain. And so we'll just right click in a blank space, choose new, and go to user. And the new user prompt, uh, the new user wizard prompt appears. And we'll just type in Stephen Wagner. Login name is S. Wagner. And you'll notice that it's at testnet.com. And here's the uh, pre-Windows 2000. Uh, this is actually the NetBIOS domain name here. So again, you don't have to touch any of this. You just want to specify the user login name. Hit next. And configure a password. Now, if you leave these as default, the user must change his password at next login. You'll probably want this. I don't, so I'm just going to disable this. You can also configure the user to never be able to actually change their password. I don't recommend this as users should regularly change their passwords. And then you can also uh, choose a box which uh, kind of specifies that the password never expires. I'm going to choose that, but you should not. Um, there are password policies on Windows Server that you want to adhere to. Um, you should regularly change your passwords and that's why normally you would not want to touch this. Um, and finally, if you want, you can actually create an account that's by, uh, disabled by default by checking this box. I'm going to be using this so we won't check that. But if, let's say that you have an employee starting in a couple weeks, you can configure the account now and leave it disabled until the user actually joins. Uh, it starts with the company. Once this is done, the user is created. And on that note of disabling a user, to enable or disable users, you can just select, right-click, right and choose Disable Account to disable the account, or you can right-click and then Enable to enable the account. You can also reset the password or move these to other objects. However, you probably don't want to move them um, until you understand how that works. So we'll just go back and enable this account. And that's it. Your domain controller is ready to go. Um, on a final note, if you want to hire me to uh, help you with anything you've seen in my videos or uh, anything you've seen particularly in this video, please head over to my blog and click on the Hire Stephen Wagner tab or alternatively, you can go to my corporate website at www.digitallyaccurate.com. Um, right at about this time, you should be seeing some icons appear on the top left and top right of the screen. Um, one of them will allow you to see the playlist which contains all these how-to vi uh, videos and the other one which will uh, allow you to subscribe to the video. So please make sure you subscribe, like the video. Uh, thank you very much and have a great day.